1: You say you're going through fiery trials, a lot of affliction, you wish it would end? Well, stick around, we've got some help for you. It may not come from which field you think, but it's real help nonetheless. We often approach affliction, trials, sufferings in the same way we approach commercials. Calgon, take me away. We want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Meanwhile, God is off in the corner going, stay with it a while. It's beneficial. Beneficial? Yes, beneficial. And that is what we're looking at today, a message called glorying in afflictions. And this is the Apostle Paul's words, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Let's catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. We
2: saw last week that since the Lord Jesus has made peace, he satisfied God's wrath that justly lies upon you and me for our sins, that God is at peace with us, and through faith in Jesus, we can be at peace with him. We have great hope in this. We have access into God's throne room, and it is a throne of grace for us. It is not a throne of terror. It's not a throne of God is going to zap me with a lightning bolt. It is a throne of grace with Jesus there, our advocate, our peace, our anchor, and our forerunner. We also have a rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God that we are going to be raised from the dead. We are going to see the glory of the Son of God and we are going to be changed into that glory. We are going to be delivered from self-obsession and God's glory is going to be all of our life and all of our peace. And when it says, He will be our all in all in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty that is a declaration of our happiness in Him. Because we are made for Him. And we are restless and miserable until we rest in Him. There is great glory awaiting. But what about now? You may be thinking, boy, it's great to have glory coming, but in my life now, there is a lot of pressure, which, by the way, is what the word tribulation in Romans 5.3 means, a weighing down. There are a lot of pressures. Every single one of us has to deal with sin. Sin. In fact, you cannot be a disciple of Christ and not go to war against the sin in your life every day and pursue righteousness. And it's not only within, it is without. Because there is a war in this world. And if we have any zeal for our father's honor, we are going to want, according to our station and gifts and graces, to speak his truth in all areas of life. We will be burdened by the condition of the church, or we should be. How can we not be when we see, on the one hand, worldliness, and on the other hand, wolves within? When we hear our Savior's prayer from that night before he was crucified, when he prayed, Father, sanctify your church in the truth, unify your church that she may be one as we are one, Glorify the church together with me. Don't take her out of this world. Deliver her from it. You see, this was his beating heart as he went to the cross. And when we see wolves in his vineyards and worldliness and our own weakness and frailty, that same zeal will consume us and we will be burdened with it. Sometimes Satan persecutes. He hates Christ. He hates the Father. He hates us as Christians. And of course, even when these fires of persecution lessen, for whatever reason, because Satan can only harass and trouble God's elect as far as God permits him to, but whenever these fires go down, don't we still live in the midst of the builders of the city of man? You are being robbed by the wicked, beloved. You, your currency, your taxation, you are being legally pillaged, plundered by those who are in authority over you, as I am. This is what David wept over in Psalm 119. The bands of the wicked have robbed me. Their tyrannies, their perversities. We are like Lot, are we not? Our souls are vexed every day, living and dwelling among the wicked. So for these reasons, you are right in thinking, Okay, it's great that we have glory later, but what about now? When we feel these oppressions and these burdens of living for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. The various siftings that God brings into our lives as Christians. That maybe don't have any immediate cause. He he just tests the righteous. He sifts us to refine our faith. If you feel burdened, that's a good thing. Because you'll be able to appreciate the verses that you'll hear today. Now, here's a wonderful thing. Look in verse 3. And not only so, but we glory. And not only the future glory and peace with God, as wondrous as those things are. But right now, reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, we boast. Which is what the word glory means here. It is a verb and it is active. We glory, we boast, we exalt in the pressures and in the trials that God brings into our lives. Now, this is a strange doctrine, beloved. And it is a doctrine that is so strange that if we spent every moment of our lives thinking about it, it would still dazzle us with its brightness in such a way. That all we could do would be bow before God's majesty and his wisdom. This is not an earthly doctrine. This is something that flows from the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the Holy Spirit here says in verse 3, we glory in our tribulation. And in Greek it is emphatic. Now listen it just it doesn't mean that we just glory because we know somehow god is going to work in these things for our good as we read in 8 romans 828 that is a wondrous promise but this says something beyond that it is not just we know there is going to be a good outcome in the end No, this is knowing that in the very tribulation, in the very pressures that God brings upon us because of our union with Christ and because of our life as Christians in this world, we rejoice in them. We boast in them. We even learn to say thank you for bringing them to us, Lord. Now, This glory is not the attitude that, and I want to make this very clear to you, that merely looks forward to the trials terminating or that there is going to be a happy result from them. It also certainly is not, let's look for ways to avoid trouble as much as we can either. No, we glory in these tribulations, we boast in them. They are our praise. And when they come, we thank God for them. Nothing is stranger to this way. Our way of thinking. no avoidance, no speedy resolution, no easy cures. These are what the culture of this world seek when troubles come. Oh, we're having trouble with our debt. Well, let's just keep on printing more and more money. Let it presses run longer. We've got all these symptoms. Let's give everyone drugs which will help make the viruses and bugs get stronger and stronger over time. Easy cures, speedy resolutions. Know the children of God boast in their troubles as occasions for the Lord to manifest his glory, his strength, and his love in their lives. Now observe Paul's thoughts flow here very carefully. Being justified in Jesus, declared right before God on the basis of his sacrifice, we possess a future glory to inflame our hope, verses 1 and 2. But we also have glory now, verses 3 through 5, but it is not a glory like the world has. The world's glory is to have its lusts gratified, It's pride satisfied. It is prosperity and a full belly and as little inconvenience as possible. But you see, having new eyes and new hearts as Christians, we see things very differently. We have peace with God. Therefore, we have peace with everything else. Or let me say it like this. When our relationship with God changes, our relationship with everything else changes too. So instead of what was just bitter, just heavy complaining. I've got to get out of this. This is an unbearable burden to me. Now we can look at it as a kiss from him and his blessing. This peace includes even our peace in troubles and afflictions, so that rather than becoming a burden to us, filled with bitterness, they become an occasion for boasting. Look at Second Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. Now, I'm going to quote this several times today, so I'm going to go ahead and read it to you right now. Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. In fact, I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation there was given me, given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I boast the Lord, I, I besought the Lord twice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Therefore, I take Pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, this is because that in our tribulations, not just because of them, although that is true too, but in them, God marvelously, Reveals his love and his power and his grace to us. The way God brings glory now into the lives of his people is largely through sorrows. Afflictions and bearing the cross of Christ. Why? So that we will draw closer to him. So that we will be persuaded like Psalm 31 7 says. He who knows my soul in adversity. He is with us so that he will verify to my weak faith his word is really true. God says, when I come to strip away all other props, when I strip away all your daily bread, when I strip away your health, when I strip away your loved ones, I'm all you need. My word is the manna from heaven. And my word is more necessary, he said to Job in Job twenty three twelve, than your daily bread. You see, these are more than just metaphors and hyperboles of scripture. This is the reality. But you and I walk around the world so blinded by the whores and by the pimps of the world, selling its goods, selling its wares, trying to take away what belongs to you and enrich themselves, that we get so weighed down by that, so distracted by it, that God brings a good, heavy whipping to us, tribulations of various kinds, maybe even bodily. It could be persecution, To the whole church, which we are to rejoice in, if God were to bring it. Whatever it may be to get our attention and say, listen, and get your eyes off of this world. Get your eyes off of what you have. Get your eyes off of your circumstances. Get your eyes off of your husband and what a bum he is. Get your eyes off your wife and what a refrigerator she is, cold as ice. Get your eyes off your parents, how inconsistent they are, how hypocritical they are. Take your your eyes off of all of that and put your eyes on me. And if we won't come to humble ourselves under God's hand normally, he brings these afflictions these pressures, these trials, so that we learn to say with Paul, I take pleasure in them because the only time, the only time that I am strong is when I am weak. Because when I am weak, I am led to cast myself upon the omnipotence of God. So if you haven't prayed this week, If you haven't felt the pressures driving you down to where all you've got is to call upon God. You are weak, weak, weak. But if you have adversities in your life, the troubles, the struggles and the desire for godliness in yourself and your family. The pain of sin has brought you down, down where you could barely breathe because the pressures were so great. But you. Lifted up your voice and you cried out to God to help you and then you were stronger than angels Because when we are weak when we are emptied of self-love and self-trust self-confidence self-wisdom And we repudiate ourselves and cast ourselves upon the promises of God then only are we? strong and that verse in 2nd Corinthians 12 verse 9 where Paul says my strength is made perfect in weakness Listen carefully, that verb does not just mean that when you are really, really weak and you call upon me, God, and I do some great things, then you'll see how strong I am. The verb has the idea that the power of God has as its goal, has as its operation in our lives to bring us low, to make us feel how weak we are. So that we will look to him as our only strength. So yes, God brings his people through the valley of the cross. But why? It is so that through those tribulations, we trust his power. You know, it's not the strong who are made to mount up with wings as eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint, Isaiah forty. 31. It's the weak, why? Isaiah forty twenty-eight. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching his understanding. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. What is it to wait upon the Lord? Is it to confess, Lord, I have no strength? But what you give me, do you confess that? Because that is what it is. Don't wait for God to drop a cancer bomb on your life. Don't wait for God to stick you in a hospital. Don't wait for God to take away your spouse. Don't wait for the Lord to take away one of your children or your job because whom the Lord loveth. He chastens. That is a fact, beloved. It is more certain than your next breath. So don't wait for him to bring some eternal calamity into your life before you learn, wait a minute, I have no strength. I can't even work tomorrow faithfully unless God upholds me by his power. I can't love my wife I can't submit to my husband. I can't obey my parents. I can't flee youthful lust. Look at all her victims. Why are so many within the church enslaved to youthful lust? This isn't an old problem. Paul warned Timothy about this. But why? Because we are not humbled. Youthful lust does not come out except by prayer and fasting. And what does fasting say? God, I don't want any food. I want you, O God. Even if it is five days or if it is 20 days until you come to me and by your power deliver me. If my deliverance is death, I will have you. I don't want my loss. I want you. That is what God does. This is why God brings pressure into our lives. But in our culture today, we want a tamed God. In the church especially, you know, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit of fun. Have at it. Satan will go to those parties. Within the body of Christ, God brings the life of Christ to bear. And that means, as Paul asked, do you want the life of Christ? Do you want his consolations? Then as 2 Corinthians 1.7 says, you are going to have to partake in his sufferings. Paul also said, I die daily. And if I didn't, the life of Christ would not be manifested in me. You see, he is our head. And what he went through. And what he endured. It wasn't fun and games and a nice story. Just some drama. This was the paradigm. For all who are united to Christ, the head, remember this, no crown without the cross, no consolation without suffering, no strength without being brought to weakness. Our lives in this world are very different from the unbelievers. And we have forgotten this. The glory of unbelievers to to avoid as much trouble as possible And enjoy God's earthly blessings without having to deal with God at all. Or even having to recognize Him. And now we know that this is a deadly game that the unbelievers are playing. But still we are tempted to think that our chief happiness is nice homes, a nice job, nice wife, nice husband, nice car, peace and health. So on and so forth. But we have made an idol of this life. And that covetousness, which is idolatry, prevents us from having those heavenly affections that make even every cross lighter. Now please listen. We need these pressures. They reform us more and more into the image of our Savior. And His cross, since it is our chief boast, or at least should be, When he makes us taste of it, some of its heaviness, its burden, then we ought to rejoice in it and say, thank you. With Paul, we should count it a privilege when we are made weak, and not just when we are going through things, but when God's power reduces us to where we must call upon him and wait upon him.
1: 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607.